0: Dan, we're back. It's show 15. 15. Sorry, that's 20. 15.
1: You know, your strong suit is boxing, MMA, not so much math. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: math. I, know
1: of, I know we got a lot of good questions now.
0: We have got a lot of good questions. I'm going to start with Twitter. Um, there's a real, when I mean, we were talking on the last show about Dillian White and his treatment by the WBC and oh. the difficulties he's been through during this period. Brad73lev um, says, um, uh, I, I'm, I'm glad the sponsors will be enjoying this but um, d- 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 Prospective sponsors will have enjoyed the, the guest appearance of your son. Yeah, my
1: son always, uh, like, he just finished his activity. He wanted to make a little. Hey, a little-
0: but the truth is. He's not talking about Wilder and Fury in your house, nor, nor are you. You're talking about no. another big matchup at the moment with him, aren't you? One
1: of the biggest matchups of all time is the talk of my household as my son reads this book. Who wins? Whale
0: versus giant squid. Who would win? Well, let's answer that first. I
1: haven't gone to the end of the book, but if I had a pick, I'm saying the whale.
0: I'm saying the giant squid.
1: Well, you know what? We'll have to, we'll, we'll let, we'll, I'll take a look when we get done with the book.
0: Look, the, the, the whale's got power early, right? It's got, it's got power early and it's dangerous early. But as the squid such a size around advantage. tentacles around the, the whale and drags it deeper into the ocean, down Good. into the depths, down into the late rounds, into the trenches, the How whale the needs the surface to breathe, you know?
1: The strength and the size of the whale will overcome the squid and all of those legs and arms. I'm not so sure about that, Dan. Well, listen, like I said, when we get done with this, and then when my son finishes the book, I'll report back on our next show.
0: No, no, I know I'm right. It's Squid by Strangulation.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just so the viewers know, we didn't really plan that. Oh, not much. It just so happens that that book is sitting on the table uh, where my son has some of his junk, so it's right in front of my uh, laptop here.
0: Squid, 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 squid. Well, well, well. (laughs) All right. Brad73Lev asks, great question. Do you think the WBC boxing treatment of Dillian White up till now is fair and just, especially as he has fulfilled all of his commitments time and again? Don't you think their champion should do the same? Else the mandatory system is simply a sham.
1: Listen, there's no question about it that the WBC has treated Dillian White poorly. They have not upheld his rights at all. And, And I'm... To me, I understand about mandatories, I understand about rules and that sort of thing, but there has to be a happy medium between militantly following the rules as far as, you know, without having any room to breathe, like sometimes happens with the IBF, for example, and then being so over, over the other direction where you just completely ignore the, the rules and rights of, of the number one challenger that he's just shafted for a thousand days You know, to me, somewhere in there, there's a happy medium. You want to tell him you got to put it off for one fight, and there's reasons for it? Okay, but you cannot just do it, you know, for the length of time forever. It just doesn't make any sense. You have to give this guy the shot. He's earned it. It's not like he's one of these fraud mandatories that fought a bunch of nobodies and got put in a number one position. He fought everybody. He's been a top three or four or five at worst heavyweight for several years. It's time he gets a shot at the title. End of story.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, um, as we mentioned on the last show, um, August 22nd, when White faces uh, Ale- Alexander Povetkin in Metro Square Garden, it's a 1,000 days that he's been waiting. Yeah. Take the sublime to the ridiculous. Tyson Fury was stripped of the IBF when he beat Vladimir Klitschko after 16 or 17 days, I think it was. Right, yeah.
1: now, that was a case where they had made it known ahead of time that the winner of that fight was going to have to immediately agree to fight their number-one challenger. And uh, when that fight was over, Tyson Fury had signed a contract for a rematch with Klitschko, so he could not fulfill that mandatory. Not to mention, even if he hadn't signed for the rematch in a contract with uh, Klitschko, you tell me if you're Tyson Fury at that stage of his career, is it a bigger deal for you to fight a mandatory that nobody ever heard of? Or is it a bigger deal to fight another fight against the number one name recognition heavyweight on the planet and the next best guy besides you who beat him uh, for a fight that's probably worth 10 times the money that you would be making to fight the mandatory. It's not even a close call. In the case of a White, he's gonna, you know, the, the fight against any of the champions would be a substantial dollar amount for both the champion and the challenger. It's a fight that I think the public would be interested in. It's a good fight and he deserves it.
0: Well, um, if you recall as well, one of the beefs that Fury had over that IBF strippage was um, mm-hmm. that uh, it, it turned out in the end just a few months later charles martin was the the guy that got the ibf belt and joshua had the one of the easiest um heavyweight title fights in history uh, in many people's estimation to win his first world title belt
1: yeah he did but uh, you know you had concerned. to
0: beat him i know so
1: you you can only fight the guy that's got the belt and and charles martin had it and uh they took advantage of that situation they brought charles to the uk and anthony joshua scored Uh, you know, a a sensational performance, a a knockout against him and won the title. You know, and anybody that doubted uh, Joshua in terms of, you know, did he really deserve it because the way he beat Martin, obviously he made up for it because he beat a number of quality uh, opponents in his future defenses. So, you know, that's just the way it works. And we could go through chapter and verse over the last 25 years in the mandatory and find guys that kind of cherry-picked the title against a weak champion. Sometimes they lived up to it because they went on to have great reigns. Other times, you know, maybe they lost in their first defense
0: and, you know, they're forgotten about. The one thing that has worked for White, though, is that he's developed in that time and he has become a fan favourite. And people are on his side. And that's often so important when you get the clamour from the general public for a guy. They want to come then. They want to fill arenas. They want to see that guy, almost seen as the underdog, fulfil his potential. Right. Um, Articulate Design um, asks, Matt Articulate Design asks them, do you think the Anthony Joshua... Uh, prior to the Andy Ruiz loss, had more or less chance of beating the current Tyson Fury. I ask because although AJ might be a little more timid now, he's perhaps more aware of his own fragilities and therefore could box box to a smarter approach. Good question.
1: I think that the Anthony Joshua pre-Ruiz loss um, you know, had had already been in some firefight type of fights against Klitschko, for example. So I don't think there would be that radical of a change in the way he approached Fury, you know, who in some ways is similar to Klitschko in the sense that he's, he's tall, you know, he's somewhat mobile. Um, he's got a good jab. Um, I think he he may not have fought him as defensively as he fought Ruiz in the rematch, but I don't think it would have been dramatically different. I don't think there's some kind of earth-shaking uh, change in the way he would approach Fury pre-Ruiz and post-Ruiz. He'd know, he know it's a tough fight because Tyson Fury, no matter how, how you approach him, he's a difficult opponent just based on on the size. Also, he's got a lot of ability in terms of his movement, his speed. His, you know, I don't think he's that big of a puncher, um, so I don't think that's necessarily the issue. I think Andy Ruiz is probably a better overall puncher than, uh, than, uh, than Fury is. Now, I, know I don't you, agree. I don't, power agree. Against Wilder, I don't agree.
0: Only if you go into exchanges with him He's, he's, he's got great combinations and he's good in the exchanges. Do you not think Tyson Fury would handle Andy Ruiz?
1: As they say, styles make fights. I'll tell you one thing. Andy Ruiz in, a, in decent shape would definitely give Tyson Fury a tough fight. And the reason why is because he's got good hand speed. He has got, got good hand speed. And he's got a good chin. And, and uh, you know, again, I, I'm not saying he would win the fight, but I think it's it's not – it's not a walkover, like some people would say. Now, obviously, Ruiz would have to get in some modicum of conditioning in that fight. You know, similar, let's say, and you know, I know he didn't look the part, but he was in decent shape when he fought AJ the first time around because he had just come off a fight and really hadn't gotten much of a chance to get that much out of shape. But it, look, it, it's an interesting question, but um, I, I think that that the, the approach would be only slightly different from Joshua pre uh, the Ruiz lost to compare to the post-Ruiz uh, loss.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Mike Hills um, in Las Vegas asks, how is the American heavyweight boxing scene going? Uh, not good. Do, do, do you believe the USA, USA heavyweights will ever dominate the boxing scene again? I've not seen the heavyweight division be as exciting as it currently is, not since the Holyfield-Bo Moore, uh, 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 Michael Moore, obviously, Lewis days, Lennox Lewis days.
1: I mean, the heavyweight division, It go, everything goes in cycles, number one. Right now, the, the heavyweight division in the United States is not very good. I mean, there are some prospects that are on the rise that are worth watching. We've discussed on the show in the past. You know, again, no idea how he's going to develop. He's very young. Jared Anderson with top rank, you know, he's like 3 or 4 oh, But it, there's just not a lot there. We are, you know, an American hope was Gerald Miller. We know what happened with that with the multitude of positive drug tests. His career is probably over, at least in a meaningful way at this point. Wilder is obviously – uh, the number one American heavyweight presently. But, you know, he's got to try to put himself back together after what happened in the in the rematch against Tyson Fury. But um, in the American scene of heavyweights, there's not a lot to look at at the moment. But uh, the point is, though, the division itself is strong because there's international fighters that are at the top. And look, you know, this has a chance, and we don't know how it's going to play out because we haven't seen all the fights that are going to take place between some of these top guys, whether it's Wilder, Fury, Joshua, throw in a Dillian White. Uh, you know, some of the up and coming guys like Daniel Dubois, uh, you know, what happens with him and Joe Joyce or, or Philip Hergivik. I mean, there's some good heavyweights coming up also, but the heavyweight division there's really hasn't been that many great eras in the whole history of the heavyweight division. You go back to the, I think most people would acknowledge, I think you probably agree the seventies heavyweight era of, you know, Ali Frazier, George Foreman, Kenny Norton, you know, and, and many others around them, like a Jerry Quarry, et cetera. That was probably the best heavyweight, um era of that of, of the history of the sport but right. you know the, the era of the 90s tyson Bo, lewis the second coming of foreman moore tommy morrison ray mercer razor Ruddick, i, oh, mean, oh, only field. Field I mean so many good heavyweights that were making fights against each other about that, that at that time and then we had another low, and as the goes dominated and now we're into a new era where you where you have the guys that we
0: love to talk about, Joshua and Wilder, in theory leading the charge. Is there really nothing outside Jared Anderson that you can mention?
1: I mean, there's, there's some other prospects, but it's there's nobody to like you know jump up and down about. I mean, there's a few guys you know you know. Is there some,
0: a reason for that, Dan? Is there a reason? I Are think they going into the basketball and American football?
1: They've been saying that for twenty five years though. That, they, that that you know the joke is the best American heavyweight is playing defense. On a Sunday, uh, you know, in the, in the National Football League because they're choosing to go into that sport instead of into boxing. But again, it goes in cycles, you know, just the way it is. So right now, uh, there's, there's not that many, but there will come a time where we'll see some other heavyweights to, to pique our interest uh, in, in terms of, you know, that they're from America.
0: Um, you mentioned Gerald Miller, and I need to bring him up here because it, 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 in the period between when we discussed him at the end of last week, and um, Friday, I think it was, last week, and today. Obviously, a lot of people have been urging media sources not to interview Gerald Miller. I think that's ludicrous, because we've still got to do our job and talk to him. But of course. course. Fightnet spoke to him, yeah. I mean, but people want to boycott of interviewing him. Um, well, probably because uh, when you because do it, you you do,
1: he, lies, him, he about lies about everything.
0: Well, he's, he's denying taking PDS. Um, despite, once again, testing positive for GW1516, yeah? Um, he's saying... Sorry?
1: That's the same substance you tested positive for...
0: Exactly. But he's to saying... To exactly Joshua my question is this. How do we respond to this? his quote? I'm prepared to accept my suspension and willing to do my monthly testing duration for my suspension. But to be banned for life? No, you're out of your mind. Is he the one out of his mind at this point?
1: Yes and no. Yes and no. Because to the mind not, there's no mechanism which to which suspend or suspended. ban a guy for life. It's going to depend on individual states not licensing him or promoters refusing to use him. He can have his license revoked and or suspended if, in fact, he actually has one in the state of Nevada, which I believe he does or they wouldn't have begun the enhanced testing with Vada that caught him with the positive uh, uh, samples that he produced. So you know, banning for life. I don't know about that. You know what I mean? Life, that's a long time. That said, it needs to be a very substantial uh, punishment. And whatever testing is going to take place in the future, if he is going to be able to resume his career, needs to be paid for by him. Uh, No one's going to subsidize that particular issue. But, you know, he's dug his own hole. I mean, here's a guy who refused to enroll in the World Boxing Council, WBC Clean Boxing Program. He was sent the paperwork. They require all their contenders to comply and to, and to enter into their testing program, which doesn't even test that often. It just leaves open the possibility that you could be tested because it's a costly uh, undertaking. Most guys really don't get that much testing, honestly, but at least the, the prospect of you being randomly tested is there. So maybe that puts it in the back of their mind. I better watch myself. He, he refused to enter that program. They sent him updated paperwork. Uh, you know, Mauricio was doing some interviews about this. Um, he, he just refused to it. They said they got lost. They sent them to him again. He just would not enter the program. So the WBC just lost their hands and, and Miller was out of their ratings. Um, you know, but here's the point. Jerry Miller can say whatever he wants. His opinion doesn't mean shit right now, okay? It means absolutely nothing. It's going to be up to the regulators to take care of this and to put him in his place.
0: Here's my view on it. I agree with uh, you can't ban someone for life. I don't, and, and not on, if he'd taken drugs and he tested positive and he killed a man, then yes, because it's a criminal offense. I think he gets a four-year ban, in my view, in all but, combat sports.
1: By That's, who? Who puts the ban up? Who's the one that enforces that?
0: Well, they have to have an agreement between um, the ABCs with all the, all the states in America and over here in the uk and all the the major boxing federations need to come together but not only that i would add this and when he comes back he's not allowed to challenge for a world title for two more years while he's tested so that's effectively 6 years before he can fight for a world title again
1: now i mean but basically what you're saying is at age 31 which is what i believe he is presently that would take him to age 37 which maybe not be you know, the end of the road, but it's certainly near the end for most, uh, most boxers. But again, I'm not feeling sorry for him. You know, I'm all for second chances. This is ridiculous though. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that people will put up with and nonsense that people will deal with in boxing, but it gets to a certain point where even, even people that, that partake in the nonsense are, are fed up with Gerald Miller. um, He's never, he's never going to have the, the, you know, sometimes a guy that does something wrong, You can, you can, people will feel bad for him. They'll, they'll, they'll say, oh, you know, he's, he's apologized. He did his time. He's sincere. He's sorry. Gerald Miller is still not even admitting the truth of what he, he won't say exactly how long he's been taking and what fights he used for. He's, he's denying that he used it uh, uh, without knowing, which I find to be complete bullshit because otherwise, you know, you wouldn't have those types of substances in your system multiple times. You can't just say, well, my trainer gave it to me or this guy gave it to me. You're responsible for what goes in your body. You didn't get there by accident. So you're either stupid for taking something that somebody handed you or you're lying. I, I would think he's more on the line of he's lying. And, and beyond that, you also haven't told people where you got the substances from. You, he won't answer direct questions. When I was in Las Vegas, when Tyson Fury was fighting, um, I believe it was uh, the, the Otto Whalen fight, he was there well, getting sure. to, uh, to maybe do a deal with Top Rank at the time, which took several more months to finish. And he did some interviews there in the media center and he couldn't even keep it straight. The number of tests he failed, he made up stuff. It was just he was just completely defensive about everything. Come clean, you know, hit bottom, show remorse, and then maybe you can start the rebuilding process. But until then, he gets no
0: pass from me. Um, that was a question from Matt Lewis there. What's a fair punishment for Gerald Miller after failing yet another drug drugs test? Friend of the show or or fan of the show, mixed Memorabilia, who's always Um, I've got to say mixed memorabilia. I really appreciate your questions, but don't ask us nine in one tweet because we'll never get to answer them all. I'm only going to pick one of them from these questions. These are um, dream fights or future fights. Um, Bell rings. Alexander Usyk versus Tyson Fury. What happens?
1: Hmm. How about you take that one?
0: Okay. I think... Of all the heavyweights, I think Tyson Fury is the biggest problem for Alexander Usyk. But I'm mainly based, and, and I, I think, I don't count Anthony Joshua even in this list, because Fury is, Usyk will be tempted to box Tyson Fury, because he's naturally a boxer.
1: He'll be was tempted. The, was the question Usyk versus Fury or Usyk versus Joshua?
0: No, Usyk versus Fury. I okay, think okay. Usyk versus Joshua, I'm saying what I was about to say was the very big heavyweights may be a problem for for Usyk, um, for Usyk. Um, The super heavyweights, if you like, um, who can box. I I think Usyk has the dexterity to give Anthony Joshua problems of the very big heavyweights. But when it comes to Tyson Fury, Usyk will have to box Tyson Fury and I think that's where he falls into problems because I think he will find the jab too long. He will find a guy with a lot of movement difficult. I think it's good that he's a southpaw against uh, Tyson Fury. I give him a chance through that. But I just think the size and weight of Fury who'll come in, I think, fairly light for that on his feet. He'll lean on Usyk. He'll hold him. Um, he'll tire him out and I think he'll just make him look like a small man. A big good one in that one beats a good little one.
1: When their skills are somewhat similar. I don't think they are, yeah.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: Joshua, if he was fighting Joshua, is a more straight up and down when I say basic, I don't mean that as an insult. Uh, you know, he doesn't have a lot of wrinkles. What he does, he does very well. He's very strong, he's got a tremendous uh, power behind his punch. He's got a good jab also. But again, it's easier to beat a guy that's not going to show you a lot of wrinkles compared to the types of stuff that, that, uh, that Tyson Fury can do. So what you just, the way you explained it, I agree with you.
0: Um, comment from Craig Phillips. Dan is right. Jarrell Miller's been caught three times, multiple PEDs, and refused testing for years. I'd be wanting my loss struck off if I'd lost to Miller. Um, Adam Lee's these are all comments about Jarrell. Um, Adam Lee says, I don't want to see him in a ring ever again. Fact. I don't want to hear him out anymore because he's used all those lifelines up, three strikes, and now it's time to work the doors for $20 an hour or become a bodyguard to the stars because his boxing days are over. Lawrence Steele says, hi, Gareth. I think, think I saw you around Tuesday one-ish near central London. Yeah, thanks very much. I wanted to shout is Russell Crowe. Is that a Oh, is
1: that a no, question?
0: I, I, I was going to shout Russell Crowe, but you were on the phone, and I thought it'd be rude. Thank you, Lawrence. You're not a rude man. Um, Scott Kirk says, he knows he's cheating. This is Jarrell Miller. Been accusing Anthony Joshua of cheating. Um, uh PTB2008 says, Jarrell's American. He won't get more than six months. Um, No,
1: I don't know about that. I mean, the bottom line is, if, in fact, he's got the license in Nevada, he's probably looking at a license revocation.
0: The Fight Game says, thank you, gentlemen, to another excellent show. They're very much appreciated. Uh, Irishman says, Miller should go to the WWE. He must not want to be a boxer or certainly behave like one. Um... H says, Gareth, keep up the hard work. Wish you the best of health. You're like my favourite, my combat sports journalist. You're not afraid to have banter and be yourself. Uh, He loves you too. Um, In any other sport, says Clint Mannion, it's a joke with Jarrell. Lots of of interest in Jarrell Miller. It's a joke. In any other sport, you'd have been banned for life. Why do all these boxers get away with it? It's a brutal sport. It makes... No sense. I'll try
1: to answer that. I'm trying to have people understand this. You and I don't disagree with that sort of thought process, that mentality about it, about those types of bans. The problem is, and I want everybody to understand this very clearly. There you go, Bill. I'm adjusting my glasses. I want everybody to understand this clearly. To my understanding, there is no mechanism that exists under the rules of various bodies that you can institute a lifetime ban in the sport because it is run by at least in the United States by several dozen state athletic commissions, as well as sanctioning bodies that have their input in terms of who can box for their belts and be in their ratings, et cetera. But there's not one overarching organization that says you're banned. Like if you get a suspension in, you know, major league baseball, the commissioner can suspend you, you know, for whatever particular reason and you're in, you're just on your butt for the next six months or eight months or, or a year. That does not exist in boxing. It can exist in the sense that you have a license, a commission can suspend you or revoke you and other organizations and other states around the country are supposed to follow that as part of the federal law, but there is no mechanism to institute a lifetime ban in terms of my understanding of how that works.
0: Uh, an untouchable um, says thank you gents for answering my questions that was in the last q and A. I I think a prime Ali was simply the best and greatest we've seen. Tyson, as good as he was, was not going to knock out a prime Ali who, in my opinion, has the greatest chin ever. Ali was just too good and could fight in so many ways, whereas Tyson was, was more one-dimensional. Also, mentally, Ali was just on another level. I could see him taking Tyson into deep water and drowning him. I'm counting Ali's prime years before Frazier won. His movement then was something else completely. And, you know, it's funny, and I know it was a, an awful performance on the night, Dan, but... I watched, I re-watched the, uh, the, I'm trying to remember how many rounds, it was nine or 10 rounds of Mike Tyson and Buster Douglas last night. And that was the first sign, wasn't it? That if you could weather the storm with Mike Tyson and give it back to him, he, he lost his shape very quickly. He did in yeah. that fight. He was losing the first six rounds, wasn't he? And he even put Douglas down in the eighth, didn't he? You know He
1: did. And that, that's what Don King made controversy about afterwards, which is a, you know a, a ridiculous controversy that occurred. But the point is, uh, he put together the same game plan that was then followed by Evander Holyfield, which is very simply put, "Bully the bully. If you can fight back, you know Tyson would submit. Which is why in Mike's losses, they were all by knockout to my under, to my recollection. He got knocked out by Buster and knocked out by Holyfield. The only one he didn't get knocked out was the DQ, but that you know he basically quit in that fight. And then the knockouts that occurred near the end of his career against uh, Danny Williams, Kevin McBride, um, you bully the bully, he backed down, and that's what happened. Obviously, you have to be able to take the shot, and Holyfield had a great chin. Buster Douglas uh, displayed you know uh, just monumental desire in that fight, um, even against a Tyson that was not in the best condition, um, but you know. Mike Tyson, he he was as big a star and as powerful punchers that ever lived in those brief times, but uh, it did not last for long.
0: Um, And we also answered um, Prince Nazim Hamid against uh, Manny Pacquiao, and he says, "This is an untouchable again." My take is that Naz versus Pacman would have that that Nazim would have had a very good chance to KO Pac-Man, possibly. Um, Not because Nas was a better boxer, but because of Pac-Man's aggressive, all-out attacking nature would have led to a very good point.
1: He would leave himself so... I'm a huge Nas fan. Let's preface this answer by that. And Pacquiao fan also, by the way. Here's the point, though. Hamed, when he threw his punches, was so open and wild that he left himself so wide open to get caught uh, by just even a decent compact puncher. Manny Pacquiao was one of the greatest inside compact punchers who ever would he would leave himself open and just there'd be it'd be like a, hitting a, a beach
0: ball, you know, with a baseball bat.
1: Pacquiao, I think, would just you know just absolutely annihilate
0: him, eventually. There's a really good question. We have got two more questions uh, this week. Tim Thorne says, "Love the show, gents. Thank you, both. Thank you, Tim." Um, here's a question: Why did Fury announce Tyson Fury announced that he was going to take it to Deontay Wilder in their second fight? In the past. Tyson mind games dictated that he, he did the opposite to what he said he was going to do. Could it have been a move to get Wilder to beef up and be more resilient in a close quarters encounter in a deliberate plan to reduce Wilder's speed and therefore counterintuitively his punch power? Love to know your thoughts. Dan, I, totally and utterly is what he did, and we saw it at the weigh-in, in my view. Yeah,
1: I, I think that, that uh, Tim, I believe is the person who made that question. Way, 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 way overthinking it. I think Tyson Fury decided that he was going to come in a different way because, again, in Fury's opinion, the style that he fought Wilder in the first fight, which was to try to box him, back him up with his jab, you know, not make it into a brawl and win on his skills. He feels like he didn't get the hand raised, He didn't get the W. He got a draw. In his mind, that was a loss. So if I can't beat him when I fought extremely well in that style, which is what is he's best at, I need to change. And what's the opposite of the way he boxed in the first fight? Come right to him. Back him up with power punches, stalk forward, put on a little bit of more bulk so you can you know, be there to force him around and, and move him around the ring. And, and he just did that. And Tyson Fury is just the kind of guy who didn't care if he said that to the press. Now, the bottom line is, when he said that to us, many of us were sort of like, he's crazy. He's not actually telling us his game plan. Well, joke's on us because he told us the game plan. He told Deontay Wilder the game plan. He did exactly what he said. But I don't think it was some sort of like crazy plot in Fury's mind to make Wilder do the opposite. Because I don't think Deontay Wilder believed it either. So I just think that Fury was like, screw this. I didn't get it done the way I wanted to get it done the first time. I'm going to change things up. That's exactly what he did the second time. And it worked. And he knocked him out. And he beat him up.
0: Well, knowing inside the camp very well, they they took a look at the 12th round in the first fight, and they saw that Fury, after he'd been knocked down, had to take it to him, and he did very successfully in that last round, and he had some success, and they wanted to pick it up from that moment. That's what they were thinking. Look, there's there's a lot of revisionist history when things go right in boxing <laughs> and when things go wrong and it's part of the magic of the sport. Um, but it's, uh, I know, I think he did, I think he did get in Wilder's head with it all. Uh, the Pink Mist says, oh no, I'll, I'll save that one for last. Phil W says, nice honest, honest chat you guys have going on. Deserves so many more views than you're getting so far. Well, share it with everyone, please. We're trying, we're trying. Uh, hardcore boxing fans know you guys are the real deal. Keep it up, fellas. Thank you for the content um xt collects to, uh says interested to know your opinions on who the best five boxes in history are we'll save that for the next question and answer show i'm afraid don't forget
1: though sometimes you say that and we don't get to it so we right, will
0: right. D- make a note dan dan book it book it dan book it, dan. Book it so dan. you're in
1: charge of making the note All right, I'll
0: book That's it. Right I'll, now. you're booked for the next show um x <laughs> XT Cal your books for the next show. But get a better name so I can say it a bit more easily. <laughs> JB says, keep up the good work. Loving these proper boxing knowledge. Um, um, that's just too rude. I'm not reading that. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's There's a few rude. more here that I'm going to go through. But here's a really, uh, the last good one from Twitter today from Matt Caulfield. Um, Jamjar Design, he calls himself. After Tyson Fury, Dan, Wilder, Joshua finish their matches, who, in your opinion, will be the next potential heavyweight champion? Hergovic, Dubois, Usyk, Joyce, who are you picking?
1: Well, of those, I mean, I would say the, the guy that should get the next opportunity, as we've discussed, is Dillian White, obviously. But in terms of. who
0: no, no. they think. Yeah, yeah. They're asking who's going to rule the roost, I think.
1: I'm not sure any of them are going to rule the roost. I think it could be a situation that's similar to what's happening now, where you have had at various times, some people that thought that Fury was number one, while others might have thought that Joshua was number one. Others may have given that nod to uh, Dante Wilder. And they're in the process of sorting out their rivalries. Obviously, they've already had the fights take place between uh, two fights with Wilder and Fury. Hopefully, we'll see uh, them, both of them at some point fight Anthony Joshua. But in terms of the, the guys that are the up-and-coming guys, it, it's hard to, to, to bet against Dubois. He seems to have the whole package. I'm not 100% sure how he takes a shot just yet. but exactly. He's That's got the, the skills. He's got the size. He's got the power. He seems to have the sort of mental disposition that you need to, to be a top heavyweight. Uh, so, and he's also got the youth, so they're still as good as he's looked. There's still room for improvement because he did not have, you know, this crazy long amateur career, um, and that's not. When I say that, it's no knock on those other guys. I mean, I think a lot of Hergovic also. Uh, I've been watching him since the Olympics. I'm a big, big supporter and fan of his. Uh, I think he's terrific, um, but I guess I'd have to go with Dubois at the moment. I mean, we're going to we're going to learn a lot again. I mean, learn a lot against against uh, Joe Joyce. Uh, now, if Joe Joyce can somehow pull off that victory, you know, he can put himself in that position. He's obviously much older, so in terms of the, the, uh, the longevity he may have compared to with Dubois or even Harvey you know early to mid-20s, you know, it's a whole different story. But you know, I think right now Daniel Dubois is the best heavyweight prospect in boxing.
0: I agree with you, but we need to see him um, caught, hurt, under pressure, how he responds to those things. Um, which is what we always say with these guys. I mean, he's had it all his own way so far. Um, he's got all those qualities you talk about. Yeah, Listen,
1: you, you just help. never know in the heavyweight division. It takes no, me back.
0: And, when and, I started
1: my career uh, in, in, uh, in 2000, the number one contender in the heavyweight division was Michael Grant. Now, he'd been, to many people's views, sort of exposed oh. when he fought Andrew Galata and was so hurt and ended up winning the fight because Gallata wound up quitting. But he was heralded as, like, the next big thing. He had just a perfect physical specimen, good punching power, you know, delightful guy to talk to and interview and be around, you know, fans, fun style, and uh, just could not take the heat. You know, if Dubois can't take the heat, then he's not going to last long. And, by the way, the same thing goes for any of the other guys you mentioned. Um, In the heavyweight division, more so than any other division of boxing, you got to be able to take it and give it. And if you can't take it, you're done.
0: Well, and we haven't seen him taking it yet. We may not even see it against Joyce. He's got much faster hand speed than Joyce, but if he can't put yeah. it him, him away and Joyce takes him into the late rounds, we don't know about his stamina yet. We don't... He hasn't got his man strength yet, even though he's a huge guy. Um, yeah. I just hope they don't rush him too much. Um, but it, he's, he's, he's a phenomenal prospect. His sister's going to go to the Olympics for the UK, for GB, it looks like. His brother Prince is 15, already six foot one, And th- yeah. and. And and Caroline, the sister who boxes, who's won won multiple things already as an amateur, and Daniel, both say that Prince is the best of all of them. So there's a little conveyor belt coming out there from their father, Stan, who's been taking them to the gym since they were five or six years old. It's an amazing story. We get these in boxing. It's just incredible. Final question from Pink Mist is, guys, we love the show. Uh, I'm, I'm presuming... Pink Mist watches it all. What's for dinner tonight?
1: Oh, here we go again. No idea. Not a clue. And, you know, I know, I know it's going to be something new because last night was leftover of uh, dinner from the previous night that was fantastic that my wife whipped up. So tonight will be something all new, but I don't know what it's going to be. Do
0: you know what I'm going to do tonight? Even though I cooked spaghetti bolognese. Oh, just,
1: by, just by the way, what we had was leftovers, and it was fantastic, was homemade chicken tacos. Oh. Nice. A little guacamole, it was fantastic.
0: Hey, listen, if I'm ever passing by, I wouldn't mind seconds of that.
1: Oh, you're invited anytime you're in the States. In the Northern Virginia area, come on by. I,
0: I, I cooked spaghetti bolognese for lunch, which was really nice. And I've got, left, I've got a portion left over. But you know what I'm going to do tonight? And I've not done this. I cannot remember the last time I went out, and I know you do this occasionally. I'm going to go and get a takeaway pizza tonight. There you go. And, and I'm salivating at the thought of it. I have
1: to say, though, that the pizza that they make in the UK is kind of weird. It looks right, and it, like, it looks the way it's supposed to look, but it's just not quite the same. And I remember this. When I came to the UK <laughs> with the Epics broadcast team, and we were doing the American broadcast when Carl Frotch uh, uh, regained or won another super middleweight title in a fantastic atmosphere in Nottingham against Luchin Butte. After that, and I'll never forget this. After that event was over, uh, myself and our whole crew went back to our hotel, and, and one of the folks that that worked with us, we for whatever reason they didn't like. We nobody had got a chance to eat dinner at the arena. We're all like hungry, coming after the fight,
0: whatever. They ordered like they don't feed you at the Sheffield Arena or the Nottingham. Well, no, our
1: our crew, something happened. I just I don't know what exactly happened. The bottom line was this: one of the people in our group was tasked with you better make sure that when we get back to the hotel, there was like you know you know, 15 of us or whatever, you know, in our crew, you better make sure there's some pizzas there because, you know, the whole, the whole group is looking for some dinner. And we got back, we had this little room that we were in hanging out after the fight, and it all looked good, and it just was not right. The British pizza
0: is not like, you know. No, hang a, on a minute, hang on a minute. That's I'm like throwing every pizza shop with it's, the one brush that Dan Rayfield had with British pizza.
1: It was just weird, dude. It looked like it was perfect. But it just was not, it, it was weird. That's all I can say. And everybody kind of like ate it and was sort of like, yeah, it's like, it's edible. But this, this is not like, this is not real pizza. Uh,
0: well, listen, I've worked a day already and it's my evening over here. You get some bloody work done and I'm going to go out and buy a weird pizza tonight.
1: You, you can report back how the pizza was.
0: I will on our next show. All right. I'll see you next time, Gareth. Always a pleasure, my friend. Yes, sir. Take it easy.